Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 357. Today, we're back in the period of the Exodus, and I want to talk with you about the tabernacle, the Mishkan. The tent of meeting is what it is usually referred to, because what we find in the book of Exodus, Leviticus especially, is the ceremonial law having to do with the central place of worship. We could have many podcasts just on the tabernacle itself, on its purpose, on the pieces of furniture, the entrance, the three different sections of the tabernacle, all of those things. And I'm calling it the tabernacle simply because that's what we're most familiar with in the United States and in the West. But this is the tent of meeting. It's the tent where God said, I'm going to meet with you. And he had a particular way to set that up, and he gave that to Moses on Mount Sinai. And when we come to this period of the Exodus, and we get past the getting out of Egypt, that was only the beginning. God did that by a strong and mighty arm. He promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would do that. He sent Joseph ahead to prepare the way so that the children of Israel could begin to expand and become the mighty nation that they would later become and the evidence of which are still with us today with the formation of the state of Israel in 1948 in our modern era, something that was a supernatural creation and a supernatural fulfillment of God's promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even in our day, we are seeing the faithfulness of God. But God gave the moral law on Mount Sinai, and we call those the Ten Commandments and all the things that are given with that that are ancillary to the Ten Commandments. But when we come to chapter 25, God told Moses, he said, Moses, I'm going to give you a tent of meeting where I'm going to meet with you, and it is going to be central to all you do. Even after you get into the land of promise, I want you to understand how you approach me and how sacrifices are to be made. Who are the ones that will make that sacrifice or sacrifices and how all of that relates to my relationship with you and with the children of Israel? And so when Moses went up on the mount, God said in chapter 25, he said, I am going to ask you to do something, Moses. In verse 8, he said, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, God doesn't dwell in houses made with hands from the standpoint of an eternal dwelling place. But God said, I want to meet with you, and I'm going to do that in a tent. Not a more permanent structure, but a temporary structure that will be portable that you can follow around because I want to teach you not only how to approach me, but how to walk with me. And he said, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to build this thing and you need to do it uh, not just any way you want to, but the way that I say to build it. And even in that specific 
schematic and blueprint God was saying to Moses and teaching him so he could teach Joshua, so he could teach the elders, so they could teach the people, that God has specifics about how to come to him, how to know him, how to approach him, how to talk with him. This is very important, and we've forgotten this in our era of independence where we just think we can come to God any way we want to. We have to come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, clothed in his righteousness, washed and cleansed through confession, and then the doorway is open. But even we forget about that because we are not into ritualism. We are not into following any kind of pattern. We don't even teach our children many times to pray, and we think that's too high church, too spiritual. God wants us to teach our children how to know him, how to approach him, how to respect him, how to admire him. And we've almost lost that today. When I told the church that I'm working with now, and many will be listening to me, when I said, don't just let your children call me Tony, not that I am anything special, but don't let your children talk to an adult, and especially a senior adult, and to say to that adult by their first name, they should call them Sir, Mr., Mrs., Doctor, whatever their title is, that's a way that we teach respect. And certainly we have almost lost that. And the reason is, as adults, we don't respect those who are our elders and older than we are. And so what I was saying to the church is, please be careful about how you talk to me in front of your children. Now, was I putting myself on a pedestal? Absolutely not, because we have to watch out in what we not only say, but how we act, because our children see our actions far more than they listen to our words. And so still today, people will say, oh, I forgot to call you that. That has nothing to do with our friendship and our relationship. I'm doing this so that people will understand there is an order and a protocol to how we approach people and how we approach one another, and especially children to those who are in authority over them or those who should be respected, and certainly those who are older should be. So all to say, even that is misunderstood in our churches today. But God said, I want you to understand, you don't get to vote on just how you come to me. I'm going to lay out how you approach me, and if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. You say, I can't believe you said that. You mean God would kill people? Yes, and not only will he kill people, he did kill people. The Torah is filled with people who tried to approach God in a way that he said you can't, and God killed them on the spot. Same thing happened in the New Testament church. Ask Ananias and Sapphira about lying to God and doing something publicly. Why, God killed them on the spot. And I can tell you, when the church was fresh and holy, God expected that the people learn through these early years the way that he did things. Well, the same thing's true in the Torah, and it's our example. Remember Romans 15, 4, the things that were written aforetime, talking about the Torah and the stories of God in the Old Testament. These things were written 
for our learning, for our admonition, so that we might understand how to approach God, how to know God. Yes, the veil has been ripped open. Yes, the way has been made open. But we don't enter into God's presence flippantly. People scare me with the lack of fear of God. We've not only just lost the fear of God among the heathen and the secular of our land, but there is no fear of God even among the people of God. And God is to be feared. He's to be reverenced. He's to be exalted. He is to not be looked upon as good buddy Jesus. He's not good buddy Jesus. He's the creator God. He's the one that made everything. And so he told Moses, he said, look, Moses, I want you to build this tent and I want you to build it just like I tell you. Verse nine of chapter 25 of Exodus says, you need to do this according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furnishings. Just so you shall make it. Just so you shall make it. Moses couldn't just say, well, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It didn't matter whether it made sense to him. God said, I want you to do this. And so he starts building the pieces of furniture and then the curtains, then the walls, then the sections and all of those things. Now, when you turn to the New Testament, we get more insight and thank God that we do on this concept of the tent of meeting. Chapter nine is one of the greatest chapters on the tabernacle in the Bible on this tent of meeting. Then indeed, even the first first covenant had ordinances of divine service and earthly sanctuary. Now he's talking about the tent of meeting there. And what he's saying is there's things, uh, there's sacrifices in the New Testament concerning worship and praise and service. Now I just blew some of your minds. Some of your minds are just now blown off your head and outside of your body. Why? Because I mentioned sacrifices. Jesus sacrificed to pay for our sins. But according to to the Word of God, and I am going to show you over the next few podcasts and in this Exodus period, the period of the Exodus, that even in the New Testament, there are sacrifices. The book of Hebrews says that we offer the sacrifice of praise. We offer the sacrifice of giving. We offer our lives as a living sacrifice. There are sacrifices in the New Testament, just like in the Old Testament. Are you telling me, Pastor Tony, that we are saved through the sacrifices of praise and giving? No. We're saved through the blood of Jesus. You ought to know better than to even ask me that and to even question that. But neither were these people in the Old Testament saved through their sacrifices. It was impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could ever take away man's sin. And that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 10 And verse 4 says, for it is not possible, Hebrews 10, 4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. They were not saved through their sacrifices. They were saved through faith by the grace of Almighty God looking forward to God providing the sacrifice for sin. You say, well, I just don't believe a lot of them got that. Well, it sounds a whole lot like us today. I believe there's a lot of people sitting in the churches that don't get it. I think there's deacons that don't get it. I think there's pastors that don't get it. Are you judging and saying you believe that some pastors and some deacons and some church members are not saved? That's exactly what I'm doing. 
That's exactly what I'm doing. And they didn't get in the Old Testament, didn't get in the New in many cases. Now, some did, just like some do today. But it is not possible that those sacrifices could take away sin because that's not what they had to do with. They were symbols. They were acts of faith and obedience that God required and asked his people to do, just like in the New Testament. God gives us sacrifices. We are to offer sacrifices of praise. We are to worship God. Uh, Sacrifices of service. We are to offer sacrifices of giving, a sweet-smelling aroma. And I'll go through those in the days ahead. But I just want you to know that we just get silly about this stuff because we're ignorant of the Word of God. In chapter 9, it says, verse 2 of Hebrews, For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, the holy place. And behind the second veil, that is, you had to go into a veil to get into the first holy place. Then you had to go into a thicker veil to go into the most holy place. There were three parts of the tabernacle, just like the triunity of God and the triunity of man. We are body, soul, and spirit. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The tabernacle, which is the way that we approach God and later in the temple had an outer court. It had a holy place and then a most holy place. There were three parts to it because three is the number of divine completion. It says in behind that second veil, a part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, we call that the holy of holies, which had the golden altar of incense, the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which there was three items inside of that ark or that chest is what it was, the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the mercy seat. The mercy seat was a lid that had cherubim, that is a class of angel. A cherub is a class of angel, just like a seraph, uh, the burning ones of Isaiah 6, seraphim, cherubim, the singular of that is seraph, and cherub. Those were ranks and classes of angels that were created for specific duties. Now it says in verse 6, Now when these things had thus been prepared, the priest always went in to the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself. That is, he made two trips in, first for himself and then for the people. And the Holy Spirit indicating that the way into the holiest of all that is the Holy of Holies, was not yet made plain for everybody while the first tabernacle was standing. In other words, Messiah hadn't come and made the way. Now look at verse 9. It was symbolic. That is, all of this tabernacle worship and the tabernacle itself was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. This is why they kept making sacrifices year after year and throughout the year. Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. You still realize that you needed to make a sacrifice. But the Lord Jesus, once he had made a sacrifice, the Bible says he forever sat down at the right hand of God. He said the debt's been paid to Telestai. It's finished. 
He paid the debt. But the work of salvation is not finished, and it will not be realized until all of God's children have glorified bodies, and there is a new heaven and a new earth. But the Scripture says that all of this, all of these uh, accoutrements, all of these elements, all of these pieces of furniture, and all the different sections of the tabernacle, and even the way that it was constructed, the way it was set up, the way everything was done, the Scripture said that all of this was for our learning. Now, in chapter 9, verse 22, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. That's 9.22. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things... And the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things purified with better sacrifices. You say, okay, now wait just a minute. Are you saying that there is a worship center in heaven, a literal worship center, and that it is the real thing and what we saw in the tabernacle and in the temple, the first temple and the second temple, that they were only models, they were only copies of the real thing? That's exactly what I'm saying. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies, is verse 23, therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens, the copies of the things in the heavens, he's talking about the tabernacle and all the elements, the pieces of furniture, should be purified with these, but the heavenly things... That's saying there were heavenly things, but they themselves would better sacrifices. What sacrifices? The sacrifice of Jesus. Look at verse 24. For Messiah, for the anointed one, for Christos, has not entered into the holy places made with hands, not some tabernacle or temple here. These are only copies. The word is antitupas. That is, they are the antitype. They are just copies of the true of the real thing, but into the heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. You see, there is a worship center in heaven and the tabernacle and the temples and the temple that will be are only copies of the real worship center in heaven. You see, Moses didn't come up with this. God did. And he said, I'm going to let you have a glimpse of what it's like to know me in my fullness. And so I'm going to meet with you, but I'm going to meet with you and get you used to what you're going to see throughout all eternity. And that is the great worship center in heaven. So I've been asked over and over again in all of my years of ministry, do you really believe that there is a worship center in heaven? Yes, and I'll tell you more about that as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.